Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? It is November 11th, 2016. I'm coming to you live from the bunker. This is the inaugural episode, in a sense, of Waypoint Radio. Yeah. Joining me on mic here in the bunker, Danielle Riendo. I am... I have never been happier to be in a bunker in my life. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, coming to us live over the airwaves from our station out in Chicago, Patrick Klepp. I'm sort of of downstairs, so it's not quite a bunker, but (laughs) it's the closest I've got. Down in the trenches. Down in the, uh, what else What else is there? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Northwest Suburbs trenches. Yep, that's yeah, it. Yeah, I got those. God. How you doing? How, how are we doing oh, this week? I think I went through all the Kubler-Ross stages, for sure. <laughs> like, like in the, you know, in the night of the election, I there was denial, there was bargaining, there was anger, there was depression. It, it's, I, I'm at the point now where I, I feel like, the country is like a close relative who's been diagnosed with a terminal illness. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, all right, I need to learn everything about this illness. Right. We're going to try to fight this. But I'm definitely in that point where it's like, OK, I need to I need to figure out what happens. You got to get active. Yeah, I got to get gotta active. Stuff. I got to do something. Yeah. How about you, Patrick? Not great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I've had a real rough time of it this week. I mean, I've. Ugh. Yeah. Having yeah. a having a daughter and then. The, what I thought was going to happen and then what happened has been uh, a profoundly troubling uh, process. Politics aside, like it was just there, there was something about having a daughter this year and then having what was seemed like was going to happen. And then, you know, it's not about losing an election. It's about the kind of person who was elected and what yeah. they represent specifically yes. for my daughter and the kind of world I wanted her to come into. And it's just, yeah, it's it's been rough. Well, you know, I'm I'm feeling the same way Danielle is. I'm feeling that that active itch. You know, I'm I'm looking at uh you know my monthly budget, finding ways to support groups that <laughs> yep. are yes. going to help people that are, are going to be far more effective. You know, I'm profoundly disappointed and sad. My life will not change very much in the next four years, most likely. Um, and that is not true for a lot of other people. Uh, <laughs> if things happen a quarter of the way that they should, and so what I'm thinking about is you know trying to dust that dirt off my shoulder and find some way financially yeah. and, and actively to help people. Yeah, I definitely, for for me, it's been an opportunity to think about what our goals are uh, as, a, as a site, as individuals. And like, and, and like you said, kind of like, where can we, as, uh, where can we chip in? Um, you know, part of the reason I moved back to the States from Canada, part of it was my funding was running out and my PhD program, but I could have, <laughs> but I was up for some jobs up in Canada. I could have stayed nearby. I could have stayed in the, you know, near campus and, and all that. Um, and, uh, but part of the reason I wanted to come back to the States was, you know, I moved back about a year and a half ago now, uh, maybe a little bit over that. And 
had been a troubling time in the states with with uh, for a number of different reasons. Um, there was rising unrest. Uh, it was the birth of the Black Lives Matter movement. There was a bunch of all the stuff that I felt deeply disconnected from, um, and it felt not like I'd like run away from it necessarily, but there was an impulse to be near to it. Uh, and to contribute in some way and to be close enough to cover it or or something. Um, and now I think that impulse is stronger than ever in, in a real way, which which obviously does not mean that this is not a website about writing about video games anymore. But this has been uh, a, a real, for me, a, a real moment of reflection and thinking about how we want to make sure that we we cover video games as being a, 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 a part of human culture. I've been thinking a lot about sports journalism lately. Uh, I think we, we compare ourselves as games journalists to the, the kind of tech space and the enthusiast press. And sometimes in our great moments, we think about ourselves in, in terms of like film criticism, in terms of cultural criticism. But I've been thinking a lot about sports journalism recently because in the last century, sports journalism has been a space where – uh, really incisive critique of the culture that surrounds us has bubbled up from. Um, obviously, there are direct lines from people who started in sports journalism and then moved into political uh, writing and, and political commentary. But even just great writing about the way people play sports and the structures around that has been um, a place where people have tackled issues like race and xenophobia and sexism and homophobia, uh, where people have have talked about what it means to be American. Um, and so I'm looking in that direction now uh, for, for some inspiration, along with the, all the other billion places that, that I look. Uh, also, know. fucking Leonard Cohen died last oh, night. I know. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have a lot of these. So I used to work at the ACLU. And, yeah. uh, you know, when things like this happen, I'm always like, oh, God. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. I, I miss I miss that atmosphere. I miss sort of being among activists, being among, you know, lawyers who are going to court for these, right. you know, for these issues. And so I, I have taken a lot of a little bit of heart this week, knowing that I'm, I'm at, at the very least with people who who give a shit, yeah. who care about these issues and who want to do something about yeah. it. So that has been something of a of a solve. And like, least. I guess, like, to, to, to answer a question that's probably come in, I haven't updated the bucket. But like, <laughs> sure. there is definitely I've definitely seen it on Twitter already a couple of people who, people who say, like, how do you go and write about games in a moment like this? Um, and I, I feel like partially, you know, full transparency, we definitely pulled audibles this week on what we covered and stories that we're going to hold until it's a more appropriate time. And other stories that I felt like, hey, it's important that we get that up this week. You know, we had a we had a story come in from a guy named uh, Hussein uh, Almar, who who grew up in Saudi Arabia, um, grew up in a town where he was, uh, you know, the 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 only one of the not the only Shia, but but one of a very few Shia families um, faced a lot of, uh, uh, you know, just discrimination and, and discrimination yeah. and and a lot of uh, ostracization. Because of the difference, uh, the being being Shia in a primarily Sunni Sunni city, and in the end found some unity with people um, through video games. So I was like, oh yeah, like that's a story I want to run this week. Yeah. That's a story I want to run this week. Oh, like here's a story about games that take their inspiration from knitting. Like yeah, that's a story I want to run this week. Uh, so let's let's like bring those up. And I think that those are tiny things. I don't think that that's the way that you change the world overnight by any means but like i want to be conscious of the conversations we're taking part in right now and trying to trying to stay stay hopeful but also productive like i i am 
not I'm of the mind that hope alone and that loose symbols aren't the way that you move the world. Um, and so get out there. Like if you care deeply about this for whatever reason, like, I don't, there are people who, there are people who voted on both sides of this, who don't like how this turned out. Frankly, sure. there's definitely a little bit of Brexit in this of like, I've seen some people who are like, Oh man, I went out and voted for Trump and whew, I didn't, don't like that guy. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, or, or um, who abstained specifically right, right. as a statement and then, totally. you know, or who voted third party or who did this or that. Totally. Sure. Absolutely. Which is always your right yeah, to I, do. That's not what, it's not always the best, but, but whatever but your, right. whatever your takeaway here is like, I, I definitely advocate being involved and figuring out ways to get directly involved. Um, I appreciate people who want to symbolically show their their allyship and their and all of that, but also get involved. So Do that something. is that is I think my note anyway on on this week. Uh, <sighs> oh, video games. <laughs> yeah, I played some Dishonored too. Uh, I didn't play enough of it to. I didn't play here. I didn't play enough of it to to do two things. One, to give any good evaluation on whether or not I really love Dishonored two or not. I like it so far. Um, I'm still having trouble, like I did in the first one, doing that transition from being a stealthy observer to things going bad and being willing to like get the knives out, so to speak. Um, the chaos system is still in that game. Uh, I don't know if you remember this from the first Dishonored. Yeah. Patrick, you were a big Dishonored person too, right? Yeah, I mean, chaos basically meant uh, it's you know it was a way of uh, sort of creating a mechanic around how much. How many people you killed actively right. as opposed to being stealthy and trying not to uh, sort of disrupt too much, trying to just kind of get through to the objective and get out. And that had an influence on the ending yes. in, in the game. I, I never thought that system worked particularly Me well because uh, like it, in the first one. It, the way that they frame it in this is they say that like, oh, if you have a low chaos meter at the end of the game, you're going to get an, uh, you're, the characters will be optimistic. Hmm. And if you have a high one, they will be they will be cynical. Um and maybe it is the week we are having. <laughs> but I'm like, in my heart of hearts, like, oh, I really want an optimistic ending to this game. Um, but that's a bummer because the thing I like best about games like this, about stealthy games, is that moment of Frisant where everything falls apart. And like, you're like, ah, uh-oh, 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 okay, what are my <laughs> abilities? What can I do to like, I've been seen, how do I blow my way out of this? Yeah. Um, and sometimes that can be just like running away. And in this game, you could totally do that. But it has all these great abilities, all these great combat abilities and, and traversal abilities that combine in really cool ways. And I just, I'm still having trouble letting myself use them, um, which is, which is tough. Ironically, I, and I can't talk about this at length, but I just started Watch Dogs 2 and I'm not having that problem there, <laughs> even though I deeply had that problem with the first game and like was committed to not being violent in any way there but uh but in Dishonored 2 I'm just like I really it's hard for me to commit to using all of these weird murderous shadow powers because I know I'm going to get slapped on the wrist at the end of the game well and it's also it's it takes uh probably what maybe three or four levels before you actually have a good sense of how much is the game waiting right you know like they're oh, yeah. like because I remember I played through the original Dishonored and there were totally situations where I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to yep. stab this dude in the neck because yep. this is the easiest way to get out of this. And part of what I liked about Dishonored was that uh, it, it the combat was 
uh, seamlessly woven yes. into the stealth so that um, lots of games like Deus Ex, for example, like the original Deus Ex, like it yeah, was not yeah, fun yeah. to get in firefights no. yeah. by and large. Like once you were found, it was like, you know, quick load, quick save, go back, do it over again. Whereas Dishonored tried to solve this in making it easier to both traverse and to seamlessly move between uh, combat and, and stealth. But that yeah, part of the problem there is exactly that system of, uh, of chaos uh, in which it discourages you from engaging with that system and forces you in some ways into the same thing that you used to do, which is just kind of quick like save, quick load. saving mm-hmm. back. Yep. Yeah. And that's, I, that's bothersome. It's the same thing that bothered me about Mass Effect's uh, renegade system. Right. Where it's oh, just like, yeah. it's not allowing me to play the character that I want to play because I'm being punished and put into arbitrary lanes uh, that get you sort of at a, an optimistic or pessimistic ending. I wish the game, d- d- you know, didn't surface that on a a sort of statistical level. Yeah. Didn't tell you if you're going to end up with a cynical ending. Just I don't know. Maybe that happens in the background, and maybe you can surface it later. Or I liked it in the in the Walking Dead um, or Telltale's <laughs> games in general. Yeah. I have a problem with these these sorts of systems that uh, I, I sometimes wish you could turn them off. So like in the original Walking Dead uh, season one, uh, you know, and people from this with Telltale games where it says you know blank will remember this. Mm-hmm. It's like well I don't want to know that. I don't want to know that 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 piece of dialogue was important. Uh, right. I like to just. And all, of the re- the story and, and all the rest weren't, you exactly. know, were not right, things that right. were noted. You end up gaming the system as opposed to role-playing. And, and I find uh, if they want to build those systems in, I'd like an opportunity to turn them off because I find that it influences my play in a way that bothers my – or in, in, uh, it stops my ability to kind of uh, to play the way I, I truly want to play because I start worrying about these systems on the side. Yeah, I, uh, I think I'm totally with you there. I, I Or at least – I want the option, like you, to, to, to do it. Or, you know, or maybe for me what I really want is a system that has more axes than just the chaos meter. Yeah. Um, and, and, I yeah. mean, it does track other specific opportunities and, and stuff like that. And, and maybe they'll surface later in an interesting way of just like, oh, you, you know, so in the or one of the early levels. So the setup for that game is that you are playing as either uh, Corvo, a, a Atano, Atani, Atano, uh, or or uh, Emily Caldwin, who is the new empress of of Dunwall or of the entire king of the entire the empire, all world, of the different, basically, all yeah. of these different steampunk <laughs> islands. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't think it's the whole world because they do. There reference, are other they're nations. They're like reference yeah. a continent, like a kind of a a, a jungle continent somewhere else in the There's, world. Sure. of course. Yeah, uh, and. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'm not saying that they do that poorly. I think that it's like, oh yeah, of course you have to engage with that if what you're doing is doing a steampunk thing. Sure, sure. Um, and so uh, Emily is is kind of dethroned. There's a coup. You escape to to the southern island that's uh, a little Mediterranean, um, and uh, and then you know go off to try to uh, unravel this mystery uh, about who is doing the coup and and everything that's that's going on, uh, and. Um, Early on, during the kind of escape from the prison tower, I ran across a newspaper printer and rescued him from kind of a, a, a hostile, one of the new guards who kind of taken part of the in the coup. Uh, and like, there was a notice at the end of that level that was basically the journalist will remember that. Right? I was just kind of like, here are the <laughs> sure. oper- here are the, the things in the open world that you or the the pseudo open world, the open hub or the open kind of level structure that you engage with. Here are the side activities that you completed. And so, who knows? Maybe seven missions from now, that journalist will be running newspaper articles about how I'm good. Uh, and that's at least something that's a little more new. 
nuanced than your chaos is high or low. Right. Um, but the thing that's frustrating is to get to your point, back to your point, Patrick, like it's fun to fight things in that game. The swords are cool as hell. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just like take a deep breath and go in and just like, oh, I'll get what I get. I'll watch the other ending on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I did in the first game was not even kind of care how yeah. the chaos meter worked because it seemed to me a lot of the chaos, you know, the, the quote unquote evil axis was less horrible than a lot of the sort of good decisions right. you could make. Like, right. you know, when it when it came to a lot of the specific characters, it was like, oh, you can you can kill this woman or send her off with her rapist. Like, it right. was just kind of like, Argh. right? Yeah, you can kill these two people or put them in a gulag for the rest exactly. of their lives, or they'll do like, forced labor. Evil sounds mm. a little bit. Uh, less evil in this right, case so it was right. one of those weird things i don't know if they address that at all in this in this game or if they kind of recognize that like oh maybe <laughs> so the the way that they introduce it kind of diegetically is through the outsider again who shows up again okay. which which is a whole other thing actually i can talk a little bit about this before we move on um the the out the, the there's a supernatural element. Dishonored is a world in which there is like a bunch of steampunk shit and steampunk shit that I actually don't hate because I think it's interwoven with politics in a way that a lot of steampunk stuff tries to ignore and yeah. just is just an aesthetic. Um, but there's also this element of supernatural stuff, uh, kind of like I'd say like Lovecraft adjacent, right? Sure. Um, there is all, there's a kind of uh, a magic of the whales in this game, <laughs> yes. right? In which um, the the kind of natural world is underpinned by this supernatural space in which weird whales float through the sky. Uh, whales, of course, in this world are, are are attacked and harvested for their oil. All of the weird electronics and, and steampunk stuff runs on whale oil. And one of the, the kind of representatives of the supernatural world is this guy named the Outsider, who is like, what if... Uh, my Chemical Romance or uh, <laughs> had superpowers. Like, what's that dude's name from? What's the? He's also a comics writer. Oh, Actually, he's just that dude. He's just it's just that dude. I think. Um, maybe it's not. You know, it's my chem. It's Looks definitely my so Chemical Romance like guy. Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, and that dude like shows up at the beginning of the game and is like, "Hey, guess what? You have superpowers now. Like, but you can either do good with them and not hurt people, or chaos. And if chaos, <laughs> I, things could be on fire." I'm like, yeah, I, well, I, I love things on fire. Right, yeah, things are already on fire. Exactly. Like, they already fucked up my dad, and now I'm not the empress anymore. Like, eh. So so that's how they kind of set up the chaos system in the game. The thing, One of the things that I, I found myself feeling, though, was like, I almost wish they hadn't gone back to the well on the outsider. Like, hmm. it's a thing that happens in, in serial media a lot, where like, oh, man, there's this one in a million chance that this character will will intervene and, like, you know, this supernatural thing will happen and mark one character. Now they have superpowers. Um, but, like, even the way they do it in this game, the, the outsider is like, well, I wasn't supposed to be here again. I already, I already came and helped out Corvo. Uh, I guess you need my help, too? This is a little weird. Uh, okay, yeah, well, you have my mark now. Uh, you can actually say no. You can actually play that game with no powers. What? You can be like, no, I don't want your mark. And I, that, I hope, gives you a whole different ending. Um, we'll see. But, but. And, and it's it's kind of interesting because the that whole part of the, the story and mythos is barely touched upon in the first game. Right. And I thought that was one of the more interesting elements was that the supernatural stuff was on the fringes yes. as opposed to being 
totally interwoven and you kind of had to seek it out you could ignore it entirely like you know the the presence of the supernatural was never really explained it just sort of was there and then went away which right. is kind of yeah. an interest you know they it was presented in the game as well sometimes these people intervene because they have you know sort of uh machinations of their own mm-hmm. and it seems like maybe it's a little more overt in this game uh, in a way that yeah they haven't dug they haven't kept digging into it quite yet i'm still very early so i'm curious to see how at the forefront it is it, it might yeah but and so the one other thing I will say they should do super well is there is the heart again too, which at first made me roll my eyes. Um, the heart is this item that was in the first game, which was literally the heart of the assassinated empress who was Corvo's lover and was now is Emily's mother. Um, and uh, uh, it's kind of like a, an item you can equip that will give you like lore about the world. You can like look at a person and, and use it, and and it's like a this, radar for. You know, yes, for, item, for items, for collectibles, for all else. that stuff. Yeah. I'm glad we're a Dishonored podcast. I'm glad that that's what, where we are. <laughs> yes. um, uh, but you can like find bone shards. You can find like upgrade equipment, stuff like that with it. And also you can point at characters and uh, things in the world. And then this kind of disembodied voice of the Empress, the ghost of the of the Empress, uh, which is not a spoiler. Like, it's so immediate in the first game. They're like, yeah, it's, that's, that's who it's like, it I know is. who that is. Um, yeah. <laughs> She'll be like, oh, this person's really sad because their marriage is falling apart, Corvo. Like, that's go kill them or whatever. Or like, uh, I remember when this place wasn't all dogs and smoke and people it was a garden before in the good old days. And and so that's back in this game. And the thing I actually really love is that like she doesn't want to fucking be back. Yeah. She's like, there are moments where you use it and she'll just be like you want me to give you information about this, but I won't. Like, I just want to be here in this place with you for a moment. Like, this is an excuse for me to be with my daughter. Like, and it's like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. So so there's there's some, I think the writing has been really strong so far. I'm really curious. I'm going to try to put some more time into it over the weekend. Uh, maybe write up some thoughts next week. Um, that's what I've been, That's a, I didn't think I had a segment, but it turns out I had a, a big <laughs> segment this week. Thanks to Sonner too. Uh, Patrick and, and Danielle, what are you? What have you been up to? Patrick, you go first. Uh, I haven't played Dishonored two yet because I di- I, I didn't want this week to ruin that mm. game yeah. mm-hmm, for me. Yeah. Like I've had, I had to give my like that game showed up uh, uh, at my house the the day after the election, and I was like, oh, that's great. No, I don't think I can like actually enjoy this, so I'm gonna put it away for a couple of days, and you know, because just. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hunter is one of my like favorite games in the last five years. Like it's just it was such a one. So I'm so excited about the sequel. And I was like, I don't, <laughs> I need a couple of days before this gets fully tainted. <laughs> so instead, I've been working my way through uh, Infinite Warfare, which awesome. I didn't play uh, Black Ops 3. Uh, I played... Whatever the one before that was, Advanced Warfare. I think. Yeah, Advanced oh, the Kevin Warfare. Spacey that was okay. one. Right? Yes. Yeah. 
yeah, that was fine. Uh, but I, I tend to play those the campaigns because uh, certainly in the Infinity Ward, uh, like old Infinity Ward era, like they, they were just you know they were doing interesting things. They were they were uh, fun to play, um, and, and I find the campaigns to be uh, compelling enough for you know six hours of just blowing shit up. Um, <laughs> but it kind of fallen off uh, the wagon on them. But uh, Infinite Warfare is like surprisingly excellent. Uh, I've really really enjoyed the eight or so hours i'm about two missions away from the end uh that that i've put into it and part of it is like a really surprising reason in that they do a my problem with uh titanfall 2 is that it does a poor characterization of the people you engage with maybe other than uh your robot friend bt (laughs) yes Uh, whereas uh infinite warfare does like a pretty excellent job of creating this faction of rebel characters who are fighting against you know this the, the basic setup of infinite warfare is that you know, Earth has gone on to colonize uh, all sorts of different worlds. And stop uh, me if you've one heard major... this one before. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, like the, the premise itself is not at all that interesting. And you know, there's this. Uh, you know, the colonies on Mars are rebelling against the. You know, the 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 colonies uh, on Earth and blah blah blah. I had but, someone. I had uh, someone that... write me to say like, Austin, aren't you going to write about how how uh, Infinite Warfare is ripping off Gundam? Because Gundam <laughs> is. And I was like, Doc, it's rip- it's not. That's that's a whole. That's a whole. Infinite like, ripping. Yeah, 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 infinite ripping. <laughs> Exactly. There's a whole genre of sci-fi built around this notion of like the frontier and the core worlds. That's everything. You can find it everywhere. Yeah. So, so anyway, can, sorry, Patrick, I didn't mean to interject with that. No, no, it's it's totally fair because like if you walk through that premise, then I can immediately see why you would roll your eyes. But uh, I, you know, I don't think these sort of like. The actual plot of the game is is that interesting in the same way that Titanfall 2's plot isn't all all that interesting. But the characters you're around, they do a surprisingly nuanced job of making them interesting. And like I actually know some of their names, you know, which is like not usually a thing that I know halfway through a Call of Duty game <laughs> or most uh, mm-hmm. shooters. Uh, and uh, the, the one, one through line between Titanfall 2 and um, Infinite Warfare is that they both have excellent robot buddies. Nice. Um, the nice. one in... Uh, if you're Warfare is this guy named uh, a robot, um, although he's uh, male gendered, uh, Ethan, who is just very talkative and funny, has some of the best, like, really funny lines throughout, uh, and actually some really poignant emotional lines throughout the. Uh, and if people played the game, you know, the, the moment where you're hanging out in space with Ethan uh, was actually like. Uh, is you know I'm a little on edge this week and maybe a little more uh, <laughs> prone to emotions than usual, but like a surprisingly emotional moment between uh, the main character and and this robot uh, during this particular space sequence, mm. and I've just been kind of shocked. Like uh, you know they brought out a bunch of uh, sort of narrative talent uh, for for this game, like some ex Naughty Dog uh, people that have worked on Uncharted and, and Last of Us, and I'm not going to argue that this game reaches the heights of of something like that because that's not necessarily its goal uh but i will say uh it takes it takes like its narrative really seriously it tries to tell uh actual stories with the characters you're with and i find the the arcs of the characters you're along uh, you're you're with are more interesting than the story the game is telling and if i have to pick one or the other like i'll take interesting characterization over yeah and and i think the game does that uh Part of it's relative to what Call of Duty has done before, and I think part of it uh, is that they just do a genuinely good job. And it's just they, you know, they they mix up uh, you sh- you know the the standard sort of Call of Duty shooting and 
jumping into a spaceship. And the spaceship stuff is really simple, and there's not much to it, but it looks gorgeous, mm. and it's a lot of fun to play, partially because it is just sort of an arcade setup where, like, all right, for the next five minutes, you're just going to fly through space and, and blow shit up. And it's like, that's that's okay with me. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is a thing that made me happy this week. And uh, <laughs> nice. I don't know if I would have gone into this fall thinking I would be heaping, like, a decent amount of praise on, on Infinite Warfare. And uh, I've actually really enjoyed my time with the campaign. I actually really like what what made you happy this week as a segment. I'm gonna <laughs> Infinite Warfare. I'm, oh yeah, well guess what, buddy? <laughs> there might be more of that to come. Oh God. <laughs> uh, well, that's why that's why on our you know our list uh, explaining what we did this week. Uh, next Infinite Warfare, I put deep into found despair. Oh okay, so. yeah, that's true. You did <laughs> yep. do that. That is actually that accurate. Is... It says it right here. <laughs> Correct. Um, that's not a joke. He did write that. Yep. Uh, oh, boy. literally true, friends. What made you happy this week, Danielle? Oh, boy. Well, I played a lot of Even the Ocean, which I've already talked about, and there's a piece going up. So I awesome. will instead talk about the NES Classic that I've been spending a lot of time with that, So that's the that actually just came out today. I hear yes. there's, like, lines at places for these. There are lines there, at places for these. There's, and... like, none of them available. <sighs> right. Okay, sure. And it's such a cute little nubbin of a console. Like, you can kind of hold it in your hand, and then it comes with the, you know, the actual NES you know, it's it's a there's a different port for it, of course. Yeah, it's like but the Wii. It's like the controller. Wii controller port, right? Exactly. Or the yeah. Wii, the nunchuck port. The nun, yeah, the, the the thing that plugs into the, the Wii Remote, basically right, thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm I am so torn on this, and I want you to kind of sell me on it a little okay. bit. Maybe, maybe, or or maybe maybe you won't have answers. To this, which is, I think that that thing has. We they sent one over for for evaluation purposes. Yes, uh, we tried to stream with it on Tuesday, and <laughs> I like a lot some of things, Mega Man poorly. Yes. Yeah, like a lot of things, the stream didn't go didn't go as expected. <laughs> uh, it kind of fell apart. It started off great, and then yeah. by the end, it was just yeah. a mess. Uh, the uh, I think that it has a really beautiful form factor. I think I, I like the menu systems and stuff. I think it's a good selection of games. But isn't this like a thing we've had for? A decade? Like, haven't I been able to go to a mall kiosk and buy one of these that just doesn't look as good <laughs> forever? Like, what makes this actually special or unique compared to the sort of, like, weird gray market emulation boxes that you could have been buying? Other than the fact that it's legit. Okay, well, well, yeah, I suppose that's true. I, I actually think it's more... You could have bought most of these games on the Wii U eShop. Sure. And I've been doing that. Like, that's the sort of thing that, you know, I could play in bed. That's the... You know, that was the real sell for me. And, and something that I, I mentioned in my sort of Wii U piece was like, yeah, I was playing Earthbound in bed and it was great. And Donkey Kong Country in bed. And like, that was awesome. You know, on the little Wii U pad. So, yeah, I think if you have all of these games. Sorry, Donkey Kong Country in the streets, Tropical Freeze in the sheets. <laughs> Do we have episode Ooh. names? Because that right there. Right okay. there, my friend. <laughs> Patrick just quit. Yeah, we broke well, him. Well, it's one of those weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. see what I can do. Exactly. Oh, that was really good. Um, I think if you already have all of these games, and and also have to mention NES Remix, right. uh, which I think actually was a really good introduction to a lot of these games because it sort of uh, drip feeds you sort of the mechanics of a lot of these games and then remixes them and does a lot of interesting things. I actually really loved the two NES Remix games, and I thought those were maybe a better introduction. I think you only really need the NES Classic, and, and need is in quotes, mm -hmm. you know, of course here, you need food and water probably first. But I think the only real case for this is if you do not have these 30... I believe it's 30 games, already kind of on your Wii U or whatever system, 
And you really like the idea of having an adorable little tiny mini NES. Right. You know, it, it, that's part of it. That's, you know, it's certainly part of the fun. And being able to hit the reset button on it actually just brings you back to the menu. There's no other way of getting back to the menu. So there's right. like a tactile element here, of course. Um, what I will say is that it's a really great selection of games. And it was, I actually was streaming most of election night and mm-hmm. mostly NES classic games. And then Dropsy later on when things got real bad, I brought, <laughs> I brought out the Dropsy when, when, when things were looking dire. Oh, yeah. You better go get some clowns oh, when you're having some trouble with some, anxiety. Some happy clown. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A clown that just, yeah. I just, I just, you know, I just wished on election night there was a clown that came to my door and hugged me. Yeah. That's just the a one sweaty that would clown. Made me feel better. A very sweaty clown, too. Yeah. God. I had my puppy and my kitten next to me. I was petting them with one hand. I was playing dropsy with the other hand. That's what we did. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I am a Nintendo fan. I'm a lifelong Nintendo fan. I had an NES. But, you know, as I've been playing a lot of these games, I re- I'm realizing I didn't play many games. When I was five years old, when I first got my NES in the ripe old, you know, year of 1989, I played a lot of Super Mario Brothers. I played Super Mario Brothers 2 and I played Super Mario Brothers 3. And then I had a lot of like Sesame Street games. Uh, So I did not play the Mega Mans. I did not play the original Metroid. I did not play, you know, even the original Castlevania. Um, And I've probably been having the most fun with old ass original Castlevania and Kirby's Dreamland. Kirby for sort of obvious reasons. That's just a really, really good game. It was sort of the first time you you saw that Kirby having powers, you know, from eating enemies and his sort of floatiness was a completely different approach to platforming. It also looks beautiful. Like, that was one of the last NES games, I think. Sort of one of the last major ones. It was 1993. You know, the Super NES had already been out for a little while at that point. Uh, But it's beautiful and awesome. And the original Castlevania, while a bit frustrating in a lot of ways, just had so many really good ideas, a lot of really good original ideas, especially for the late 80s at this point. It's already got kind of a lot of secrets. It's already doing this sort of risk-reward thing with, you know, enemy placement and sort of item placement and things like that. So uh, it's been a really enjoyable history lesson for me, especially kind of going back to see the roots of things that I would play later on, but not actually at the time. Awesome. Well, I think we have probably enough time to take a quick quick peek in the old question bucket. But I need another. I don't I don't know what's in there, Austin. <laughs> Here's the thing. Have you looked have you looked Might at it this week? Maybe some piranhas in that I've, bucket I, right now. <laughs> there are some piranhas in that bucket. So again, I didn't I didn't update the bucket this week. This is all old questions, but okay. there are a couple of <laughs> there are a couple of piranhas in here that oh, we might good. catch. Let's just let's just hey, it's a bucket. That's right. I need a number for like 1 to 30 or something like that. I should actually look. 31 to 33. Patrick, you choose because I chose last time. Okay. But election day was the 8th, right? Yeah. So let's go with 8. Really? You want to go back to the 8th? I want to find a piranha. Dial it back. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is actually not so bad. This is actually not. This Ooh. is for Matt. There's one in here that's a, that is a landmine. Oh, really? I want you to know. <laughs> I put one in here that is a tough question that, that is like, uh, this week would have been rough. But instead, we get this one from, from Matt <laughs> All right. from Kentucky, uh, who says, um, What mundane daily situation would you most want to experience as a simulation in VR? I once worked a hellish job in the copy center at an office supply store, and I would love to t- take revenge without consequences, messing up customer orders and causing chaos. Thanks. <laughs> I'm glad that that's the way that turns. Like, oh, 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 messing up customer orders. Yes. Awesome. Right. Good. Totally. Right. Totally. So, yeah, what, what mundane daily situation would you want to uh, experience in VR? 
cleaning my cat's litter box. Really? But like, Ugh. like Matt, I want to be able to cause chaos in there. Okay. I want to be able to like throw the things okay. that are happening. I want to like have fights with like, my cats. Norm- I want to get I revenge see. on okay. them for the things that I have to do. Like to normally, keep that you thing have to be clean. very careful and very exactly. right. I, I want I want like explosive mines. I want like you know Jeez. throwing sand around. I want the, the like most explosive cat litter box cleaning sim that exists. Great it doesn't exist yet, but you know, well, it might one day, maybe Soon. one day. Patrick, I think maybe I'm gonna be like a barista. Ooh, just really just mess up the order. <laughs> just like writing the names wrong on the cups. Giving you like what's your name? You know what's your name? Patrick. Oh, you Parrot? wanted you Parrot? wanted soy. Like, Parrot. whoops! We've only got milk and spit. Oh, wow! You guys are all you're both going like revenge fantasy on this, like like Matt was. I think I'm I getting, like look, Austin. I'm getting active. All right. That's oh, right. okay. Um, that's uh, what this is. Okay. Obstructionist. Like, <laughs> I'm rebelling the only way I know I actually sort of like the notion of a barista simulator in which I'm just a barista and like get to mix nice drinks. Aww. Okay, that's what I actually Aww. want. You I want, want order, we want chaos. No, no, no. Yeah. I want I want the I want the healthy mix. Here's what I want. I want a like uh uh a like party simulator where it's just like three or four too many people came over to your apartment last night. <laughs> like you invited six. And there are 13. Yeah. And that is too many people. Like, that is higher than there should be in the apartment period. And But you have to play good host, and you have to kind of, like, make sure everyone has, like, drinks, and make sure everyone has snacks, and make sure that there's, like, a de- something decent on the TV and some good music playing, and you're just kind of, like, managing the levels of this party. Um, and then there's, like, different stages. I mean, this is just Cool Games, Inc. now. Shout-outs. Yeah. To, and sorry sorry for stealing Cool Games, Inc. <laughs> Um, but like, that's what I want. I want there to be a level, like a, a bunch of different levels so that it's like, okay, this is like a manageable party. This is just like you and, and five of your friends from college, but then the sixth friend who you don't really like shows up. Yeah. See, that's, um, that's the real then, element. Right. Somebody then, you don't like is that. Right. So there's yeah. a bunch of this and there's also a level that's just like your parents are coming. Oh no. Or like it's Thanksgiving. Have fun. You're hosting Thanksgiving Good for the luck. first time. Yeah. I was about to say Thanksgiving dinner dinner simulator yeah. uh-huh. in which in which they're just random like each time you you run it it's just a random assortment of different people who might show up to your thanksgiving dinner and one is like gluten-free and vegan and and voted for trump and oh my god <laughs> i know it's, <laughs> Does it's that strange person exist? yeah of course of course that they person must. exists of course they were very upset about the way the primaries went and <laughs> you're right um, you're absolutely right and you know if a uh, hundred and and 30 million people voted? Yeah, there's a vegan. There's a vegan. There's a vegan. There's a gluten-free, a gluten-free vegan <laughs> who is in there. Gluten-free vegan Trump. That's right. Yeah. So that's that's our mundane simulation. <laughs> Before we wrap it up for this week, I just want to know what's, uh, what's, what's coming up next week in gaming. Is there anything that you're excited about next week? <sighs> Even the ocean's coming out. I'm okay. sorry. I know well, I'm beating the same I, drum. You are, but like, what... Here's a question. What the fuck is Even the Ocean, Even the Mandel? Ocean is an awesome platformer. Okay, it's a platformer. Awesome platformer. I didn't know what it was. I can't okay. picture it in my head. It's a really rad platformer with a lot of story elements, and what they did was they, they kind of actually separated it out. You can play just the story or just the platforming right. or both. What sort of platform? Like, what's it like? It's what's it very, look like? What's it feel like? It's actually very um, – it's it's wall jump heavy. Okay. And there's a mechanic where you have to balance two energies. There's a purple energy and a green energy. Yeah. One makes you jump higher. One makes you jump further horizontally, and there's a whole bunch of – there's some sort of light puzzle elements as well, but it's much more like a twitch 
platformer where you have to kind of keep balancing your energy and, and go through obstacles using those uh, energy balance mechanics. Gotcha. Patrick, what about, awesome. what about you? What's, what's happening next week in gaming that you are excited about? Uh, well, I mean, Dishonored Two is out uh, today, which is kind of yeah. uh, kind of next week. But I, I'm definitely I, I've you know, based on what you have told me about Watch Dogs Two, I am curious to know more about Watch Dogs Two because that I, I don't know if I played of a game that was clearly set up to be a franchise. Yes. I don't know if I've played an original game that deflated me more for the future of it than the original <laughs> Watch Dogs, and so. Like my expectations are incredibly low for that game, which means it's not a really uh, you know high bar to get over. Yeah, but I am curious to see how they address, don't address, get around uh, the criticisms of the original game uh, because I'm I'm just intensely curious about it because it does seem like they were they listened very carefully, maybe not carefully, but they list certainly listened <laughs> to the criticisms of the the original game. I I, I say. You know, I joke about carefully just because I haven't played the game. So, you know, it's one thing to say that, you know, we're doing X, Y, and Z, and then it's, you know, another to actually play it and see an action. Totally. So I am, uh, I don't know if I'll be playing Watch Dogs 2 next week because I'll probably be waiting for the PC version that got delayed uh, two weeks. But, uh, Austin, you especially, given uh, what you've had to say about that game in the past and its representation of Chicago uh, and sort of location and how it inhabits a place, I am deeply curious to hear more about that game. I will have things to say. I, I believe Mike Diver out in the UK is also, also has some things to say about it. So, so look forward to, to those conversations and, and pieces next week. For my part, uh, I, you know, I think next week is Pokemon, right? Oh, yes. Pokemon Sun that. and Moon is next yeah. week. And yeah. that's that could be a little bit of bright light. Yeah. There could be the sort of game that in, in a week like this, I could imagine throwing myself into bright and shining and like... Friendly. Friendly and... But also, not just like generally friendly, but but like charming right like because like there are games that are friendly that are off-putting because they're just like oh it's like smiles all the time like a lot of platformers of the old days like put me off for that reason but pokemon somehow still seems to have this like down-to-earth edge that makes it it's like it's not just grinning at you it's it's winking a little bit like it knows what it is and is playing along and those character designs are fantastic and and some of the uh, gameplay stuff that i've seen um like the the fact that it now tells you if your attacks do are are effective or not (laughs) is like yeah Good. Thanks. Like I don't have to pull up the PDF of the of the weakness chart anymore, like I used to. I've never really internalized that thing. Um, so I'm I'm excited to to dive into Pokemon Sun and Moon next week. Yeah. Let us know what you are excited for over on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Austin underscore Walker there. Danielle, where can people find you? I'm at Danielle R I, and you should you should tell me what your favorite Pokemon is. Too. That's a good idea, Patrick. Yeah. What can people tell you on Twitter, and where can they tell you it? They can tell me at Patrick Clubbit. Come at me. Wow. No, 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 no. Come at me. For where? Patrick Klepik? At Patrick Klepik. All right. Uh, I want to shout out uh, Tim Barnes, who is our podcast producer. He is at Tim Barnes four five one on on Twitter and does a bunch of comedy podcasts. So check those out, especially this week. Dan Rosado, yeah. Shout out to Dan Rosado, who uh, is doing the engineering on this. Also, shout outs to Bowen, who gives us his song "Miss You" off of his EP "Pale Machine." You can find him on Twitter at Bowen. Yeah, that is our our intro and outro theme. God, what else? What else do we want to shout? You know what? I, I want to shout out um, a couple of other other people, which is just like um, this has been a, a a tough week. If you are in media, uh, if you are in journalism of any sort, um, and so internally, I just want to say thanks to CL Hunter, who is my boss, who has been uh, a really 
powerful voice in kind of like helping us figure out where we go from here. Uh, also, Jonathan Smith, the editor in chief of Vice dot com, uh, and uh, Dory Harris Carr, who who is also uh, the managing editor over there, who both have, have been great support for the entire organization. Um, shout outs to to the guys over at Giant Bomb who did a stream on Wednesday and put their voices out, and shout outs to to obviously Danielle and, and Danica, who also have been doing lots of streaming this week. Who I think in a time like this, it is important just to have voices in your ears, like uh, to remember that there are people you like and want to enjoy the time and, and you know, or enjoy enjoy time with. Um, so shout out to anybody out there who's who's given it their, their extra effort this week. My pets were being cute on the street yeah. the other night. Shout out to your pets. They were cute. They were very cute. Shout out to the community for, for tuning in. Being wonderful. And for being wonderful. Uh, hopefully we will have some more ways to interact with you in the future. Uh, looking in, looking, into, into, looking <laughs> into some stuff. Words are tough. <laughs> also tough this week. But look, we can, we can look at it in the rearview mirror now. It's Friday. We're going to make it through the weekend. We're going to pick ourselves back up on Monday, and we're going to see where we go from there. Peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.